Hello, and welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today's also host, Evan Sider, and I'm my co-host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSider. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Also, for our Locked On Suns for page, are already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your supporter there is very much appreciated, as always. We're joining you guys the day after the Suns' first win in about six weeks here. We're talking actually about the draft this time, the tank race. Even though the Suns did just win their first game in over a month, they, do, they, still, they still do have a 12-50 record which is the worst in the NBA. They have a game separation between the Knicks for the worst in the lottery standings. But we should note here, as the lottery smoothing has happened for 2019, the top three teams will have 14% odds for each as far as getting number one overall pick. And the top three also have over a 50% chance of getting a top four overall pick. So we should start off here with the tank race. I know Bren wrote a really good story on Fansite. If you guys haven't checked that out, go do it right now. It came out this morning. It was talking about the top seven teams in the reverse standings and why they should really be going all out in the tank race. And we'll start off here with Washington, one of those teams that's lost four in a row now, Brendan, the 24 and 36. Why should they tank? Yeah, I think so. The the structure of the article was really like which teams have the incentive because it's easy to, to look at this draft. We've talked about Zion Williamson plenty here already in, in our pod, and I'm sure everybody is almost tired of hearing about this guy at this point, but we just want them to get into the NBA already, but there's teams where maybe it doesn't make sense. I think there's, there's each situation is, is interesting. And to kind of contextualize the Suns a little bit, obviously we, we, I think everybody listening and the two of us would agree. It's, it's really about maximizing the amount of talent here. And I think this season has opened our eyes to the, how far away this team still is from being able to, to get over the hump and compete. So Washington to me, I think is, is interesting because I think they're seeing the real like winning basketball breakout that Suns fans are hoping to eventually see from Booker from Bradley Beal. I wrote in the piece that in, in the nine games in February so far, Beal's averaging basically 31, seven and five and playing 40 minutes a night, just incredible. And, um, they are, they're, they're reaping the benefit of that. They can't be bad enough when a guy is playing that well and this team has, an, has so many veterans. So I kind of think the Wizards shouldn't tank because to do that would be to sit Beal or to, to sit an, the rest of the guys and make his life harder. But, I mean, how, how much would Suns fans kill to, even if there was a, a guy like Zion or a guy like R.J. Barrett sitting there, how much would Suns fans kill to see a stretch like this from Booker where the team is winning and he's just blowing up? It's really what we saw the first game of the season, the first week of the season with Devin Booker. The Dallas game especially took over there, and really we haven't seen any of that since then. I know it's been lack of talent around him. You could probably say the overall talent gap is pretty similar between Washington and Phoenix. But like you said, Bradley Beal has a lot more experience in this league. Let me ask you a Bradley Beal question here because I think he's a guy who I've been hinting at for a little bit who could be, as far as a pre-agency candidate, a guy you ask out ahead of time. I feel like he, he could be that guy, maybe not this year, but next year. If you're Washington, and if you don't move up in the lottery standings, let's say they finish like 30, 32 wins, do you open up the possibility of just trading Bradley Beal for the highest bidder this summer, just completely blowing it up? I think there's definitely some some uh, point in that. I think they can't get off of John Wall, so we already saw them move on from Otto Porter. They didn't get a whole lot back from for him, but they got you know a couple of young players that they might want to think about keeping around and cleared some cap space. So they're, they're moving toward doing that. But I mean, I just think Beal is so good. You're the idea that you're going to find a better player than him and a, even a better fit next to wall than he is, is unlikely to me. 
And so it would be, it would take a lot, I think, but in in the same way though, I think it's, it's completely going to be on Washington because if people have been paying attention, Beal has gone about, Oh, just like, I don't even know how, how he's doing this, but just pledging completely his loyalty to the wizards. He's, he said he would die in a Wizards uniform if he had to. To it's just like bizarre how dedicated he is to Washington with how bad they've been the past couple seasons. But he seems like it's definitely not going to be him that's going to go out there and demand a trade or anything like that. It's going to be really if Washington just decides to pull the trigger, then they might do it. But I don't see it. I agree. I think this this should really be Bradley Beal's team. That's moving forward, not John Walls. I know John Walls is a superstar in Washington, but with this Achilles injury, I think you should be marketing Bradley Beal as that guy now if you're D.C. and really starting to market around him. But let's move on to our second team here on the list, and it's Memphis, who's tied for – who's in sixth place right now. They're 12 games ahead of the Suns in the reverse standings, the 24-30 and 30 in the season. They actually just beat the Los Angeles Lakers somehow last night. But Memphis has this protected, by the way, one through eight, so we should note that before we go into Memphis. What do you think now with Triple J being out with a quad injury – it seems like they're actually trying to tank this one, but um, what do you think? Yeah, they are, and and they're. If you look at the guys they've been putting on the court, they're finally letting Chandler Parsons play basketball again, and they are Bruno Caboclo, Ivan Rab, names you haven't heard in years, probably since the the moment they were drafted, are playing heavy minutes for this team, and then they have some other vets, Avery Bradley, and obviously Mike Conley, who are kind of keeping them afloat. I think they are trying, but their roster is just too old. They don't have the young guys partially because they kind of held on too long with Gasol and Conley. Like it's, it's kind of tough for them to tank. They brought Joakim Noah. They traded for Justin holiday. Like this is just a bunch of mediocre veterans and that's a tough way to completely bottom out, but they obviously want to keep their pick. Who do you think fits to kind of think about it from how the draft might shake out for, for son's purposes? How do you, who do you think makes sense next to Jaron Jackson in this Ooh, year's draft? That's a really good question. I think this might be a wild card one, but I think John Morant. I think him and Triple J would be a lot of fun. Yeah, if they can get high enough or if Morant for some reason falls, that's a good one. I think they'll definitely draft a guard so they could go after Romeo Langford. I think he's somebody who would be fun too because maybe they keep Mike Conley around. He seems like he's not in a serious hurry to get away and not like a lot of other guys who want to go to a winning team. He seems like he's somewhat happy in Memphis. So maybe Langford's somebody who could play off the ball a little bit. Maybe those guys play together and you keep Conley around to kind of build him up a little bit and have that scoring punch to complement triple J's all around game. But Memphis is intriguing. I think they really nailed last year's draft and slowly, but surely they're realizing they need to bottom out. And so they're going to keep adding talent, but I like Dylan Brooks too, to be honest. I do too. I, I think he was he was supposed to be the first trigger for the Suns in that trade. If you guys yeah. remember that, so that whole I think Brooks, everyone remembers. Yeah, Brooks debacle was really really interesting to have this season happen with the Phoenix Suns. That's just another chapter to it. But another guy as far as, far as Memphis draft targets, I really like just popped in my head is Darius Garland. He's a guy who yeah. is moving up my draft board. He's going to be number seven in my next update. So if Memphis stays in that six to seven range, I think Garland might be a BPA at that point. Yeah, he's he's super gifted. If they're fine with taking somebody with the injury history. I know um, Jonathan Gavoni over at ESPN had a, a scout or a front office executive of some sort, I think, say that, you know, they're not worried about that injury. It's a meniscus. It's pretty typical for young players to have problems with 
that early in their career, and it's not something that really affects play long term, especially if you get it removed, which I think he did. So um, I think he's he's going to be perfectly fine, and he's just kind of sitting out to be cautious at this point. And so he's he's going to be super fun to watch. I think he's another perfect guy that you could see Conley kind of developing into a more all-around type of player because Garland right now is mostly just a scorer and playmaker, but kind of small and maybe not the, the type of defensive player the Grizzlies usually go after, but an incredible talent, I agree. He might just be straight up the best guy at six if that's where they stay. I really hope, though, for Mike Conley's sake that he's traded this summer because I just feel bad for him at this point. I'm going to sit through another season of tanking where he thought he was going to be dealt in February. It didn't happen, but now he's going to be sitting through another tank fest with the Grizzlies. So that's probably not fun for him. But before we move on to our next segment here, guys, I want to tell you really quickly about our Lockdown NBA Twitter account. If you're already doing so, go and follow at Lockdown NBA now on Twitter. It is one of our valuable resources out there, I believe, on NBA Twitter myself. Brent and I both follow the account. Our accounts are also synced on there as well. So if you enjoy our Locked On Suns coverage, like I know you guys do here on Locked On, there are so many other voices around the network like David Locke in Utah, John Krause in Boston, Adam Marys in Denver. Just name a few because we have all 30 NBA teams covered for you guys five days a week. So if you're not already doing so, go follow at Locked On NBA now on Twitter for the greatest resource on NBA Twitter, in my opinion. Yeah, I also want to mention, I don't know if people realize because we, we have our favorites. There's also like legit beat writers, not to make light of what Evan and I do. I hope you guys like it, but like Keith Pompey, he's a, he's a newspaper reporter. Like our network is legit. So go check it out. You have top notch coverage in every market. Evan's not understating it. I know he's the one to always tell you about it, but, but definitely go check it out. I want to also tell you guys about homie though. Homie is even more exciting than the locked on NBA network, Twitter account. If I'm being completely honest, because they save you a whole ton of money. That's not something we can do quite on our own here, but Homie will definitely do it. They save Homie customers over $10,000 when you buy or sell a home. What these guys do is help you buy or sell your house instead of trying to make money off of you like some of the other companies in the market. They can get you just a $199 price when you list your house and just $1,299 at close. That means altogether less than $1,500 to to buy or sell a house. That's incredible when you think about how many commissions and fees typically go into hiring a real estate agent. Homie takes all of that away. They have a team of realtors and attorneys to help you, but they're not the same type of thing. Homie customers can also qualify for a $5,000 buyer refund with the help of their team and even a loan to make the process of buying that dream house even easier. To learn more about my friends at Homie, text Homie. That's H-O-M-I-E to 88588. Again, that's Homie, H-O-M-I-E to 88588. All righty, let's move on here, going down the standings to a team that, that really, to me, seems like the one that's primed to move even further away from the number one pick, which was the most interesting one to me when writing this article, I think, because the Hawks are a team you would think would want to tank, right? I mean, they have plenty of young players that I'm excited about. I think they had a lot of, you know, draft Twitter favorites, Kevin Herter, Trey Young, even Amari Spellman is an interesting talent in this last draft, but they're, they're suddenly just winning games, even though they're playing young, kind of having the season that the Suns maybe wish that they would have. They're going to finish right in that 29 win range that we both pegged the Suns for. So how do you feel about the Hawks? Do you, do you think that it makes sense for them to just keep riding this? They didn't really trade any of their veterans at the trade deadline. Torian Prince just torched the Suns. We saw that. Kent Bazemore did the same. 
most tanking teams would have traded those guys, but the Hawks are just writing it out. They also have Dallas's pick. So they're, they're kind of banking on volume in the draft over getting the top pick they can. 100%. I think this is a team that you really can't pull a plug on as far as trying to compete because you see some nights like they do, they really put a hammer on the Suns late in that game. And it kind of shows the growth that Trey Young's having. Also, John Collins is going to be a legit 20 and 10 guy for about a decade moving forward. He's got a really exciting prospect. And selfishly, I know the, I want the Suns to get Zion Williamson just for my own entertainment purposes. But I think Atlanta, if they get Zion Williamson, I think they could take a huge jump next year. Yeah, that's the team too. It's, it sucks because we're seeing how it can work so well already, what Lloyd Pierce is doing, what having so many shooters on the court can do for you in Atlanta. So many legit shooters, you know, the Suns have a lot of guys who theoretically were going to be shooters and haven't ha- had that success, but Kevin Herter is already a legit 40% shooter. He went 17th. Trey Young, of course, we know what he can do. He's not in the percentage quite as high as an elite guy, but can take him off the bounce. We, we've seen that twice now against the Suns. Zion would be incredible here for sure. But what kind of guys, I mean, they have, so they're going to probably have like the number like nine, eight or nine pick as well as maybe the fifth or sixth. That's going to be another opportunity to really add some talent. And I think next year we could be talking about Atlanta as a playoff playoff team. I, I agree with you. I think they could easily be a seven or eight team next year. If they don't get Zion, just because of natural development. But if you're looking at prospects in that range, as far as five to eight goes, if they walk out of there with both Jared Culver and DeAndre Hunter, my goodness. Yeah, that's the two exact players that I've been finding some way to give them in every mock draft that I've done for Fansida, just because it excites me. I'm just like, I can't imagine two more playmakers in there, two more defensive anchors in there. And, you're really talking because that's really the only thing that I think Atlanta doesn't have right now is that those team defenders, even, you know, individual defenders are really lacking. So I also like Nasir little there. He's another guy. I mean, he's a little bit kind of down in the rankings right now, but I, I have a feeling maybe at the combine, he could stand out when he's kind of out of the, the weird situation at North Carolina. But, um, what do you think this this team, the other question I have about this team, what do you think it says that they went with Trey Young, they went, they got their playmaker early in their rebuild, and they're already paying, seeing that pay off. The Suns refused to do it, of course, infamously, did never draft a, never drafted a point guard, and now we're seeing how bad that turned out. How much do you think it helped the Hawks to just go get Young right away? Yeah, really, there's not much to say, just that how important, important the point guard position is burned just you can see it now just Luka Doncic with Dallas as well I know he's not technically a point guard but he's their primary facilitator and you see Dallas improving exponentially you see Atlanta improving exponentially I don't think I know we're not talking about the Suns right now but John Morant I know people are really hyping him up as far as if he gets in the building he could really change things for them but I'm, I'm a lot more cautious with that with John Morant compared to the guys like Luka and Trey Young just because they're a lot more natural facilitators but and they can shoot better you know Exactly. Yeah. There's a, a really a legit shooting question now with John Morant, but if, when you see those pass first guys and really they can just fit into any system, that just goes to show you why I think point guard more than anything. Now I know wings are so valuable in today's NBA, but still the point guard position is really, if you want to have a, a, a winning team, you need a good point guard. Yeah. I think that that trade honestly is up there with me. The, the Dallas Atlanta trade that put Doncic in Dallas and young in Atlanta. I don't know if you listen, Travis Schlenk, the general manager of the Hawks was on the Woj pod yeah, a little while ago. Yeah, really good. 
Yeah, it was. He's he's awesome. He I'm, he makes me even more excited. I might just move to Atlanta, and people are hearing how much I'm excited about this team. But um, I think it was crazy to hear that he was. He basically had an agreement in place. Maybe it just goes to show how crazy draft night can be. But he said he was in contact with Doncic's agent like hours beforehand, and they kind of figured they'd be shaking hands that night to welcome Doncic to Atlanta. And things just changed really quickly. But I think. It would be it, it's up there for me that Dallas Atlanta swap with the Paul George Oladipo thing as far as we could look back and just be like wow both teams really nailed it and both teams are perfectly happy because I think neither one would change it going forward because now Atlanta is going to add two more guys Young's having a good rookie season and obviously Doncic is the rookie of the year over in Dallas so that's going to be an interesting one in hindsight in a few years. Really quickly, I just wanted to ask you, since they had multiple first-round picks in the top 10, unlike any, any other team we're going to be hitting on, what do you think just about the possibility? I, I personally don't think there's really a high chance of this happening, but if they get smitten by, let's say, R.J. Barrett, they combine, like, let's say, 5 and 8 in the draft and go with the number 2 and get a guy like Barrett. It's probably the team that, right now, how things stand, makes the most sense for the Suns to be kind of looking at if we assume that they'll be talking. I mean, maybe, maybe part of what the Suns try to do is to trade down and also get a player you know they're they're gonna get creative on draft night i think we both agree there so atlanta's the right place to be looking at least as we sit four or five months out from draft night but moving on to chicago they are number four in the reverse standings another team though who has been winning lately quite a bit i think they've won three in a row five of their last nine games they've beaten pretty good teams they beat chicago or i'm sorry they beat boston by 10 a few nights ago and Zach Levine exploded for 40-something points. So they're another team that should probably be tanking but might just have too much depth from drafting high all these years to really do it. Let me let me ask you this. Did that auto-porter trade just screw up their tank? Because I think it did. Kind of did, but, I mean, I, I think it was a, a good trade from a value proposition because I think they, I mean, they gave away Jabari, who they hated. They literally weren't even playing him for part of the season. And then Bobby Portis, who... I don't even think he's a very good player. So they got a good player who's overpaid a little bit. But, yeah, they're they're definitely winning a lot more because he's shooting 52% from three. So maybe that's the other, the other part of the argument for the Suns at this point where we were kind of starting to get to before the deadline, which was maybe it just doesn't even make sense to, joke, to go get a superstar point guard or even a good point guard at this point because it's just going to screw up the tank race and, and you're already, your season's already over. Maybe, maybe that's the flip side of this where the Suns maybe were right to not panic and do something that's going to help them so much what worries me about that though Brian, is it, it seems like the past few years they've been kind of really locking in on guys in the draft like Lonzo Ball in 2017 they're really hoping that they weren't going to fall in that draft they end up falling you look at Ben Simmons also in 2016 they fall from number two to number four that I hope they're not I mean they're probably doing the same with Zion Williamson but I'm just worried that if they're putting all their eggs into the Zion basket and they fall in the draft I don't know what could happen at that point yeah, it's going to be for the Suns, but even any team, really, I think it's going to be kind of a panic of, you know, oh, crap, we haven't scouted DeAndre Hunter all year. What the hell do we do? You know, maybe. I, I just think this teams, I hope, are, are being smart about this and realizing that there are good players to be had. And so maybe that's part of why we're seeing Chicago, Memphis, Washington, all, and Atlanta all kind of not really pack it up yet and just keep writing it out and waiting for the season to just play out the way that it will get some development. Lori Markkinen has been incredible over in Chicago. This, the past nine games, like I said, they've won five of them. He's averaging 25, 
13 and three on 61.1 true shooting. He's just been a monster after struggling with injuries at the beginning of the year. So I don't hate it. I think if the Suns were in this position, they'd probably be content to be winning games. We saw that in Miami. No one was cheering for them to lose at that point. So I think there's obviously, I think that's why this, this exercise is so interesting to just be like, who really should be losing? Like, who does it actually make sense for? Yeah, so far, we really haven't thought of many yet. I mean, as far as obvious ones, we could get into that in the next segment here. But really, I think quickly, we will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really quickly on Laurie Markin, like, I had my doubts about him in the 2017 draft, but man, he, he has proven me wrong. And I think he's going to be a bona fide all-star by next year. Yeah, he's he's super fun to watch. It's I, I was thinking about this with Markin when I was writing this too. It's so interesting just to think about, honestly, I mean, I think you could just say it as simply as how bad Sean Miller has been at uh, recruiting a full team the past few seasons because you think about Markkanen was in a bad situation because he should be a four and was playing the five and in college and then the next year Aiton should be a five no doubt about it and somehow he's playing four like Sean Miller not a great coach I think I think we can all agree there and, and maybe maybe a criminal allegedly potentially a criminal so uh, not to get into a, into a Sean Miller thing, but I think just that parallel between Aiton and Markkinen was super interesting to me. Yeah, shout out Sean Miller. Yeah, shout out Sean Miller, who just got subpoenaed by a federal court about uh, potentially paying players. So uh, that we're not a, a U of A podcast, but maybe there's going to be a locked on U of A soon. You can go check out. But before we move on here to our last segment, talk about two teams that definitely should be tanking and will be the Suns' primary competition here if they want to get into the top spot and avoid falling too far Uh, i want to tell you guys about the best new way to check out our show and that is on your smart speaker Um, and not only your smart speaker the home ones like an amazon echo or google home but in your car you know a lot of of people have voice command cars now and obviously our show is perfect perfectly made to listen to when you're taking your kids somewhere driving to work driving to the gym whatever it is Arizona is a big place. There's a ton of car time that we all hate, but that's why we make this show perfect little bite-sized segment. So just tell your speaker or your car, whatever it is, play podcast Locked on Phoenix Suns. If you're subscribed, go that route on the car. If you're not subscribed, it'll still find it for you on the smart speakers at home, and it'll queue up the last episode and, and help you catch up on anything you might have missed out on. It's a great new way to give us some support and, and help uh, build us up as we keep uh, – doing more for you guys. So we appreciate it. And we hope that you take advantage. Alrighty, let's move on here. The Cavs 14 and 46, number three in the reverse standings. They have two first rounders this year. All they had to do was trade for the prolific infamous package of Marquise, Chris and Brandon Knight, who the Suns originally shipped out and they got Houston's first round pick for doing that. So they're going to have a pick in the early 20s it looks like as well as you know somewhere in the two three four range so i think they should definitely be tanking am i right oh yeah they should this should be like the 2016 17 sun situation where you walk into the if you're kobe altman you're like ryan mcdonough you walk in a locker room and be like hey sorry kevin love i know you're healthy but you just gotta sit the rest of the season out like we're we're trying to get zion williamson and uh sorry about that and i think that's what should be happening but i don't know if they're gonna do that though that's what worries me is that they're four and six in their last 10 games it seems like they're with Colin Sexton and other pieces they're trying to fit in there. It's like they're, they're tr- really, tr- really finding their groove lately. And if, yeah. you're, if you're really hoping to get Zion Williamson and replace LeBron James, the face of Cleveland basketball, you might be worried a little bit with how they're gelling lately. I agree. I, I kind of zeroed in on two performances that showed 
how how tough it is for the Cavs to really lose. I mean, they're very not not deep, not a super talented roster, but they just have guys who play the right way. I mean, they have veterans. This is one thing that you'll you'll keep hearing. The Suns and the Knicks are the only two teams that just have zero veterans that make it so much easier to lose games. But Love helped the Cavs beat the Grizzlies on Saturday night by scoring 32 and grabbing 12 rebounds. And obviously against the Suns, we saw Matthew Delvadova, 11 assists, just one turnover. Those are, those are good veteran players that if they're going on a given night, they're going to help you be competitive and especially love. I mean, anyone who's a pretty automatic 2010 guy, it's going to be tough to really bottom out, but he, he missed most of the season. You can't just go ask. I mean, you, you can, but I don't know if I would. I don't know if they will go ask a guy like that who's been such a huge part of their team and they just signed to an extension. Hey, uh, I, we know you're trying to get back in shape and avoid a lost season, but can you just go sit down and help us lose? It's kind of like what happened with Eric Bledsoe in my mind when he was a near MVP candidate and they said, yeah, sorry, we want Lonzo Ball, so head to the bench. Yeah, that's hopefully, I mean, from a locker room standpoint, that doesn't happen in Cleveland, but I feel like that's the smartest thing that you're going to have to do if they want to actually be in that Zion sweepstakes. I know they all have the top three have the same odds for number one overall, but I think every percentage point, every game kind of matters here down the final stretch of these games because you can see a lot of movement between five and three, in my opinion. But let's move on here to number two, which the New York Knicks, Brennan. And you think about them, they're really, like you said, the only team here that really could get the Suns to run for their money because New York has absolutely no veterans. They have just young guys are trying to develop Mitchell Robinson. They also have Frank, not Frank Lakina. They have Dennis Smith Jr. They have Kevin Knox. They're playing all these young guys over 25, 30 minutes per game now. And they're just saying, go develop, go, go help us try to get Zion Williamson. Yeah. I think they're the one team that between the incentives of trying to put together an Anthony Davis package or whoever they target this summer and just the lack of talent, they're the one team that I think, has less talent and less incentive to win than the Suns. They really don't care about this season, I don't think, at all. We saw that by trading Chris Porzingis and a couple veterans just to open up some cap space. That is as big a signal as any that this year is, is completely unimportant to them. So this is who they started, though. This is hilarious to me. This is who they started on Sunday night. Dennis Smith Jr., Damian Dotson, Lance Thomas, Kevin Knox, and Noah Vonleh. That was our starting lineup in a real NBA game. Yikes. That is, yeah. uh, that is a G League fest right there. And, and DeAndre Jordan was heard. I mean, so maybe you throw him in there, but it's not like that's helping much. So just compared to, you know, Tyler Johnson, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre, Suns have like triple the talent of the Knicks. So maybe that says a little bit about the Suns record. We know that at this point already, they shouldn't be this bad, but it's pretty crazy when you compare a team with that little talent and say, oh yeah, they have the same amount of wins as the Suns. I know this is a hilarious question to ask just because we say this every year when the lottery doesn't go their way, but if the New York Knicks win the lottery this year, do you have an inkling in your mind that, okay, this lottery is rigged for Zion Williamson to go to a big market? Especially this year, if, if because the, the odds are the same for the top three teams, if it was like they got the number one spot in the lottery and they won, I'd be like, okay. But this year, for it to be equally 14% for the top three and them to win, it would kind of feel that way. But I'm all for it. I mean, put put Zion on his own team. Let you know New York have its stars. They're going to probably screw it up anyway. What reason do we have to think that even if they get it, even if it breaks perfectly for them, the idea that they're just going to 
do everything else right and build a championship team is kind of laughable to me. So give Zion a better situation, put Zion in, in some city that he's going to be incredible in. maybe not New Orleans. I, I don't know if, I don't know if that is necessarily the best, the best spot, but like, what if the, I mean, if the next trade for who knows some, some other superstar we're not expecting over the next couple seasons and Zion gets to go to a different team. That'd be, that'd be much better. I, I don't really need Williamson's prime to be ruined by the Knicks mis- mismanagement like Porzingis's was. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, with the Knicks right now, I feel like Durant's a guarantee to go there. Who knows? It feels that way. Yeah, stuff can change, obviously, in the next few months, but it seems like Kevin Durant's going to be a New York Knick. I think Kyrie Irving's going to eventually be a New York Knick, too. I think it, it all depends on what happens in the Anthony Davis trade, whatever goes down with that. But I think if the Knicks do get the number one pick, Brian, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I feel like Zion Williams is never going to play for the Knicks. I think they're going to trade that for Anthony Davis and make a big three of Davis, KD, and Kyrie. It'd be fun. I think uh, it would be the best team in the league for sure to get KD and, and Anthony Davis on the same team. That's just because Davis is a little younger and whatever. It would at least be equal to, to Steph and KD, if not a little better, because you might be able to, to do it for longer. So I think the league is going to look a lot different next year. And I think this lottery, even though it doesn't necessarily seem like it, looking at the worst teams in the league, could could really shape it quite a bit. I think the lottery night this year is going to be one of the most important, probably the most important single night outside of like a team winning a championship of the whole time I've been covering the NBA. Yeah, when you think more about it, Bren, just I, I know it's going to be a crazy next few months for the Suns, also the NBA in general, like you mentioned, just so much moving parts around the league. It's going to be really exciting to follow. But just a fun little thing I want to add on here. The Lakers have lost the last two games. I know... They lost to the G League Grizzlies last night. They're three and seven in the last ten games. Should they be a team? I know I'm, I'm joking here, but should they be a team that that ends up tanking here in the last twenty games? Again, it's the difference. That's why I have it separated in the article. Should and will is two different questions. Probably they should. If it if, it, if they didn't have LeBron on their team, I think maybe we might see that happening because the playoffs seem like a long shot with how they're playing lately. And um, they, they they want to trade for Anthony Davis. Getting that pick a little higher would would help, of course, but. No, I mean, they won't because James missing the playoffs is going to just be, first of all, the Lakers are going to get laughed off the stage, but also you can't do that. That guy just committed to you with really no, no reason to do so. And you're going to ruin it the first year by failing to make a trade and not getting talent around him. That made sense. That's, it's going to be rough. Los Angeles is going to be a disaster, I think, because I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't either. I'm looking ahead here just to the free agency period. I'm looking through the top 10 free agency right now. Outside, maybe DeMarcus Cunz on a one-year year max deal. Who are they getting there? I mean, not anybody Not anybody in free agency. I, I think it's Davis or Buss. There's really not – with how many guys have kind of aligned themselves somewhere already. We know Kawhi's not interested. Otherwise, that probably would have happened already. And KD – said he didn't want to play there and he's already connected with the Knicks. Kyrie maybe is the only other guy if, if things really go crazy, but no, I mean, I think it's Davis or bust. I'm right there with you. And I think obviously Lakers aren't going to tank here, but just them missing the playoffs. They're 29, 31 right now. They're a couple games out of the Western conference, eight seed. If that, if they miss the plus, I think there's going to be a lot of wholesale changes to the playoff system because when LeBron James get missed the playoffs, and there's going to be a lot of changes that are going to have to happen just because LeBron James and, you think more about maybe one through 16 overall seating instead of just east and west. Who knows? But I think there's going to be maybe some change to happen if that does happen. But 
anything else you want to hit on us first? Today's podcast brand with the reverse standings in the tank race. No, the Suns have a lot of a lot of games against bad teams left, so there will be some, including and starting with the Knicks next week at home. So come check out your hometown Phoenix Suns as they battle to get Zion Williamson next Wednesday. Hey, uh, winning streak is it going to be happening on Friday? Sure, and they can be. Yeah, I guess the Pelicans throw them in there too. That's another team that is kind of in this mix. They're just too far out of it, but yeah, that's going to be a putrid game, I think. Yeah, that's for sure. So appreciate you guys listening in. As always, we're at a wrap today's podcast up on that. 